time. I believe we have children's church this morning. So, hey, I remembered. Woo-hoo! All right, give it up for our children. They have a lot going on in children's church. Amen. Amen. And listen, I just want to let you know that at the end of the service, we're going to be having a baptism this morning. Woo! So, I would kind of ask that when we finish at the close of after the invitation, if you all would just stick around for that as we celebrate Sister Barbara as she gets baptized this morning. And I'm so excited for the privilege and honor to be able to baptize her this morning. It would be very good. If you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Acts. No surprise. The book of Acts chapter 13, right? So we might be in the book of Acts till Jesus comes, right? So that's all right with me. How about you? Man, if he comes, I think, man, hey, glory. Jesus, we were talking about you in the book of Acts, you know? And now we get to stand in your presence. And so it is so awesome. But um, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank you for your precious word. And I thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, that you provided your word for each and every one of us, God. That we would learn it, we would grow by it, we would, it would be a guide. Uh, Lord, a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our pathway. Lord, that we would take your word, read it, hide it in our hearts. Lord, that we might not sin against you. Your, Lord, your word is precious. And Lord, it's... Uh, Help me as a pastor to always rightly divide it. Holy Spirit, do your perfect work this morning and touch all of our hearts. And Lord, if we have anyone in our presence that's never trusted you, Jesus, as their Savior, I pray that before they leave here today that they would come to know you as the Savior that you are, that you shed your blood on the cross to wash away our every sin's name, past, present, and future that you were buried in the tomb, that you rose from the dead. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for our veterans. We thank you, Lord, to live in such a great country that we have the freedom that we have. And it's all because of you. None of us would be here if it wasn't for you. And, Lord, we're grateful for it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going back. Uh, we're going to cover the sermon that Paul preached Kind of went through it kind of quick last week, but I was really emphasizing on the serving aspect of it. And uh, if you can bring my mic down just a smidge, it's kind of echoey up there. Turn my monitor off. You can turn my monitor off up here. I don't need that. in a mighty spiritual way. A special thing happens. Not just a natural, but a supernatural growth that takes place in all of our lives if we're a believer. And this is where, and this is what it is. And if you have your notes this morning, I want you to fill in those blanks and write them down and just listen intently and let this uh, help you this morning. Number one, the first one, it starts with being saved. Right? Saved. Am I saved this morning in the house? Yes. Blood bought. By the Lamb, right? Man, what an awesome thing. Born again, born from above, being made brand new, new beginnings. This is the first stage. 
the first stage. And the second stage of it is to serve. Serving, being involved, discovering, utilizing the gifts of the Spirit. That's what the second part of it is, to serve. Find a place, get involved, jump in there with both feet, head, toe, everything. Jump in there and serve. Serve the Lord with gladness in your heart. Serve Him every single day. Serve the Lord. Serve the Lord who laid His life down for you. That should be part of who we are as a believer. We should be looking for opportunity to serve, and we hit on that extensively last week. Right? You want your epitaph to be like David. Think about that. And so, and so do that. So, and then number three, uh, be sensitized. Sensitized is the word. Sensitized to the Holy Spirit to do what God would have you to do. To do what God would have you to do. That God speaks to the Holy Spirit. People think that's kind of freaky. Well, how does he speak? He speaks. He speaks in your heart, speaks in your mind, speaks through his word. He speaks through, listen, people, circumstances in your life. God tries to get our attention when our attention is not on him. He tries to speak to us and to steer us towards him and not away from him. He always does. The Holy Spirit always points you to Jesus and the cross. And then, number four, then saturated. You're to be saturated. To be overcome by the Holy Spirit. Filled in submission, listen, to his direction for life. And then to finally, number five, being sent. To be sent. So to be saved, serving, sensitized, saturated, and then finally you're sent to go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing. It's missional. It's what we're called to do. Every single person in this room, in the sound of my voice, is called to be sent to make much of Jesus and to lead others into his presence. And we know that this all began in Acts 1.8. In Acts 1-8, remember, this is, this is the summary of the entire book of Acts. Acts 1-8. When you look at it, it says, this all began. This is another part of the commission that God, Jesus, commissioned us to do. But you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It's salvation. You receive that power at salvation, all of it. From Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the utmost parts of the earth. We're to be his witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea, Samaria, the uttermost, and we are the uttermost parts of the earth, right? We certainly are. Jerusalem, being the mother church, it started there first. The first church, Jerusalem, is the mother church. The second church that opened was the church in Antioch that we've been talking about. It is what I consider the mission church. It is the church that sent out many uh, to go out and spread the mission of the gospel. Last week I mentioned that we are the the ecclesia we are the ecclesia which means we are the assembly of called out ones and if you remember if you're not assembled it's hard to be to be the church god designed us to be the church and here we sit and we're in here and we're learning we come from our homes to the place to worship we're waiting on the Lord to be discipled, to be encouraged, and sent out into a lost and dying world with all the hope of the world every needs is Jesus. And the only one to tell him is all of us that are in his house. We are sent out to share Jesus with the world. We have learned that, cho- that the choices do make a difference in our life, the choices we make. My prayer is that you make wise choices based on what thus saith the Lord, what the Word of God teaches us. And it does make a difference when we make the right choices. 
And, and listen, and the difference, looking at various diversity of the folks in Antioch was a great example of that that we talked about. That mission church to the world from, from Manan, who was close, a foster brother of Herod. You know, and his direction was to follow Jesus. Herod's direction was not to follow Jesus. And we saw where he wound up, right? Then we looked at Barnabas and Paul and a few others. And we talked about them and how God brought them together. Listen, useful for his divine purpose, that diversity of all these different people from different walks of life come together in the church of Antioch to go and spread the good news. And as they were all in one accord, they were ministering to the Lord, the scriptures taught us. Then Paul and Barnabas are sent on their first missionary journey. Have you ever said to someone, thanks for that word, it ministered to me? Anybody ever done that? Thank you for what you said. That really ministered to me, right? Have you ever said, listen, or have you said, I just love that song. It really ministered to me, right? You ever thought about that? Listen. These guys in Acts 13 and 2 said that they were ministering not to themselves, but they were ministering to who? To the Lord. That's a little bit different. I want us to think about that this morning. Now, this is different. Can you imagine God up there in heaven being ministered to by you? I want you to think about that. That is, that is being how he must feel when we bring glory to him. How he must feel when we serve. How he must feel when we, we, we quit thinking about ourselves and we think about others. How does God feel sitting in heaven knowing that his children are ministering to him? How the joy has got to be overwhelmed. Just imagine God saying that to you. Imagine God saying that to you. You said it a thousand times. God says that to you. If we would take that perspective every time we come here, every time we serve others, realizing that we are serving and blessing him as well, this would change our perspective on our life and the way that we serve the only living God. Amen? Psalm 34, 1 makes this statement. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall be continually, what? In my mouth. So true. Then these guys, listen, they laid hands on Paul and Barnabas. And they sent them out. That is, they ratified the gift within them by laying hands on them and praying for them and saying that we agree, we concur, let's send them out. See, that's what ordination is about when we have ordained. We'll, we'll be having ordinations at some time in the future here. But the ordination is about that. It's where we come together as a body. We lay hands on them and we agree uh, about their gifts to send them out to do whatever it is that God calls us to do. That's ordination. We serve. Listen to this, folks. This is so important. Get this. We, you and I, serve a missionary God. We serve a missionary God. And sometimes we don't look at it that way, so to speak, so pointedly. It's always in God's heart to send. It's always part of God's heart to send. To send us. Just like he sent Abraham. Think about that. Abraham was sent. Why was Abraham sent? So that the promise that all the nations of the earth would be blessed. 
And not only did God send Abraham, he sent many others in the Old Testament. We think about Moses and Joseph and all these ones, all these patriarchs and Jacob and all of them. They were all sent. And then he sent another one. God sends Jesus. God sends Jesus, the missionary sent from heaven, comes down to earth to seek and to save every soul that is lost, which includes all of us. Jesus was the missionary sent from heaven to earth to save you and I. That's his goal. That's his mission. He was sent. I once was lost. (laughs) Amen, church. Isn't that good? Listen, in Acts, the Holy Spirit is sent. Think about this. It's sent as a missionary to energize and empower all believers. For what? To proclaim the gospel, the good news, through all of us. We have the Holy Spirit for that reason. The missionary. The Holy Spirit is a missionary. God says, I send you that all the nations of the earth can be blessed. And we are living, breathing witnesses of the very fact of what God has always said from the very beginning. As we sit in these pews this morning. Jesus rules, Jesus reigns, Jesus lives. And we are witnesses of that. We're literal witnesses that Jesus rules and Jesus reigns. We all, listen children, must be sent somewhere. If we don't, then listen, this is what happens. If we're not sent, then we become fat and sassy. We are all sent. Or we're a fat and sassy believer. Spiritually obese, taking in, never exercising. Like a baby in a high chair. Or had a high chair, I'd sit in it. (laughs) Feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, I want more. Right? I'd probably break it. But think about that for a minute. Isn't that true sometimes? Many times, listen to this, we are saturated, but we never get sent. We're sent, but then we don't go. Being a, we become a disciple, but we never become an apostle. An apostle in the sense of the word apostolos. It's a Greek term. It says to be sent, a delegate. There were the 12 apostles originally who had all the gifts, the sign gifts. They were the ones that walked and talked with Jesus, that ate with him, that beheld him, that knew him. Those were the apostles. And later on, in this sense of the word apostolos, it talks about all of us being his messengers and we are sent out. Are you an apostle this morning? Or are you just a disciple? It's something for us to think about. We are to go and make disciples. That's our job. That's what God wants us to do. That's his perfect will. And we don't even have to pray about it. We just need to do it. Right? So it's something to think about. We are all to be sent with what? With the good news. That's why we're doing Who's Your One? The little ping pong balls back there. And they're kind of show. And man, some of you guys are doing it. You're doing it. 
I see a bunch of amber balls in there that means that you shared Jesus with them or you shared scripture or spiritual conversation with them. But I see a lot of green balls in there, which means that people gave their life to Jesus Christ and how wonderful that is, and we must celebrate that and follow up with them and make sure that they're in the house of the Lord, make sure they're hearing the word of God and make sure they're part of the church family, the called out ones, the assembly of called out ones. Now what I want us to do is to get to the sermon that Paul preached, the gospel. And there is an outline in his sermon as we look at it. There is an outline, verse 16 to 25, it's the anticipation, which is the first fill in the blank for you there. The anticipation of the coming of the Messiah. Paul looking in retrospect like Stephen did when Stephen talked to the Sanhedrin. Rehearsing history for encouragement. The anticipation. And then we'll look at the action. The action that he came. Jesus came. Was mistreated by Bible students. Hear me. Jesus was mistreated by Bible students. Jews knew the word. They had a full head. But they had an empty heart. Sometimes we can be that way. And then verse 40 and following is the application that resurrection power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This is Paul's first message. First messages, listen, are never really comfortable. I must admit, my first message here, man, I was scared to death. I gotta be honest. What if I stutter? What if I don't say the right thing? What if I don't? That's because if I keep saying that, I'm not trusting in the Holy Spirit, right? But we have to trust in the Holy Spirit. And the discipline of studying the Word of God to correctly divide it. That's a huge discipline. And Paul, he always remembered the Jew first, and then the Gentile next. He followed God's order. The Messiah was for the chosen nation first. The chosen nation first. The synagogues where Paul spoke in, that's where he started in the synagogues. He would go into a synagogue with a gathering of people just like yourselves. And he would go in there and there would be liturgy, which means it's a format. They had a format of their service and an order of service. First they would recite the Shema, which is out of Deuteronomy 6, verses 4. He would say this, listen Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He would recite, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your strength, and so forth. Then they would pray. Then they would read from the Torah, which was the first five books of the Bible, the written law. And listen, and then they would read, read from a rabbinical commentary. There would be a commentary that would be read. And then after this reading, it was customary for visitors especially like Paul and Barnabas from Jerusalem, to be invited to stand and give a word on the scripture that was read. And boy, did they have a word. They had a word like they'd never heard. They didn't realize they'd been reading it throughout the entire Old Testament. But Paul and Barnabas had a word of victory for them. So then we read, beginning in Acts 13, verse 16. Then Paul stood up, and he motioned with his hands and said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen! 
The God of this people, Israel, chose our ancestors, exalted the people during their stay in the land of Egypt, and led them out of it with a mighty arm. And we know that, right? We know that the ten plagues, we know that the angel of death came on the tenth one. That was the straw that broke the camel's back of the Pharaoh, and God sent him out. Two and a half million Jews leaving Egypt, the exodus. And he's sharing this with them. And for about 40 years, he put up with them in the wilderness. God did put up with them. Then after destroying seven nations in the land of Canaan, he gave their land to them as an inheritance, that promised land. This all took about 450 years. And after this, he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet. And then they asked for a king. So God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man. And by the way, I believe Paul was his named after him. I think about that. And he was from the same tribe that Saul was from, Benjamin. From the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years. After removing him, he raised up David as their king and testified about him. I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man loyal to me, who will carry out all my will. And from this man's descendants, according to the promise, God brought the Savior Jesus to Israel. It takes Paul about eight verses to get to the cross. You see that? Eight little verses. He does the history of the nation of Israel, and he gets to the cross. He begins with Israel under bondage, released, wandering in the desert, arrives at the land of their inheritance, then Israel acquiring a king for the kingdom, Saul, then on to King David, and then finally to Jesus, who was of the lineage of the line of David, falling right in line. And this is what we see in Paul. We see, number one, that Paul is anchored in the Scripture. He knows that Old Testament forward and backwards, and then some by this time. He goes through the account of God choosing, God delivering, God raising leaders among the nation of Israel. He knew the scripture and preached the scripture, the Old Testament. Paul also instructs Timothy that we find out later on to preach the word of God. 2 Timothy 4. Don't preach an opinion. Timothy is not an opinion, it's not feelings. Preach and proclaim the living infallible word of God we must proclaim the word always preach the word so Paul is anchored in the scripture but I saw Paul number two is anchored to the promise be anchored to the promise this is what he's showing us this identifies the living Lord Jesus Christ the Old Testament promise of the coming Messiah Jesus And this was so fundamentally important. You know why? This is why. Because God promised in his word that he, the Messiah, would be a light unto the Gentiles that all nations would know him through Jesus, bringing salvation to all the world. You see, God chose the Jews, but God's intention was that they would be a light for the world, which they did not do. They didn't do. They refused it. So God sends his son Jesus to be that light of the world. They became, as I said a couple of weeks ago, inward, navel gazers. They were looking at themselves, right? Jesus becomes the light of the world. Eight verses. 
Paul made a beeline to the cross for these guys. Paul, who fought against Jesus. Paul, who fought against Christianity. Paul, who had people killed and murdered because he, didn't, he, he was so stuck in his Judaism. Such a zealot for Judaism. And he makes a beeline to the cross. From Saul to David to Jesus. Let's read on, verse 24. Before he came to public attention, John had previously proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Remember John the Baptist? Then as John was completing his life's work, he said, What do you think I am? I'm not the one. He says, But look, someone is coming after me, and I'm not worthy to untie the sandals on his feet. Brothers, sons of Abraham's race, and those among you who fear God, the message of this salvation has been sent to all of us, to us. For the residents of Jerusalem and their rulers, since they did not recognize him, or the voices of the prophets that are read every Sabbath, have fulfilled their words by condemning him. Though they found no grounds for the death penalty, they asked Pilate to have him killed. And when they had fulfilled all that had been written about him, Listen, this was no surprise to Jesus. This was no surprise to Paul. This is no surprise. It was once it was revealed to Paul that all the Old Testament prophecies, the 330 Old Testament prophecies, were fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ and his coming. I was sharing with the students Wednesday night over here, talking about the Word of God, the living Word of God. Is it reliable? Is it authentic? Is it truthful? How can I know that it's real? How can I know that it is authentic and reliable? That it is actually not just a book, but it's the Word of God. And this was one of the examples I shared with them. There were so many Old Testament prophecies that we went back to Psalm 22. Psalm 22, verse 1 says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? We know that Jesus on the cross back in Matthew 26 said the same thing. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And as you read through Psalm 22, which was written anywhere from five to 700 years before Jesus came to the planet, they didn't even have crucifixion back then. But when you read in chapter 22, you'll find his hands are pierced. His feet are pierced. Man, that should give you some assurance that Jesus is the Son of the living God. To know that he fulfilled just that one prophecy. And there were many prophecies in that one chapter. But there are many books between Psalms and Zechariah and Isaiah and many, many more. And Amos and all of them. That point to the cross. That point to that time. That point to the Messiah. And this is what Paul was trying to get across to all these guys. So, that when they had fulfilled all that had been written about him, they took him down from the tree and put him in a tomb. But God raised him from the dead. And he appeared for many days to those who came with him from Galilee to Jerusalem. Listen, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we ourselves proclaim to you the good news. This is what Paul and Barnabas know. They're proclaiming this good, great, godly, awesome, explicit, radical news of the promise that was made to our ancestors. God has fulfilled this for us, their children, by raising up Jesus, as is written in the second psalm. And see, Paul does it again. You are my son. Today I become your father. 
Jesus is raised from the dead. He takes a seat at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And right now, for you and me, this very hour, this very moment, this very second, he intercedes on your behalf and mine right now. He speaks to the Father about you. And wants you to be encouraged in Jesus. He's the real deal. We would do well when we are out and about to make for sure we are sharing and demonstrating the good news, the gospel. These glad tidings, right? Oh, and listen, by the way, not, don't forget to notify your faces when you do that. <laughs> I got to throw that in there, you know? Sometimes we got to notify our faces that we're full of joy, right? Joy of the Lord. Some of you got that bell from last year, you need to carry it in your pocket, dangle it every now and then. Ching, 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 ching. Joy, that's right. I got to be full of joy. Let's do it. Look at verse 34. Since he raised him from the dead, never to return to decay, he has spoken in this way. I will grant you the faithful covenant blessing made to David. Therefore, he also says in another passage, you will not allow your Holy One to see decay. For David, after serving his own generation in God's plan, fell asleep. This is what we talked about last week. Was buried with his father and decayed. All of us are going to decay unless Jesus comes back and snatches us out of here, right? That's all right with me. But the one God raised up did not decay. How many days was Jesus in the tomb? Three. How many days was Lazarus in the tomb? And what did they tell him when he went to open the tomb? He's thinking, right? Remember where they're at. Jesus did not decay. He rose before that even took place. So, as I was thinking about that. But the one God raised up not decay. Therefore, he says, let it be known to you, brothers, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. And everyone who believes in him is justified from everything that you cannot be justified from through the law of Moses. And this, listen, this had to really resonate in their soul and their bones. Because anything the Jews ever knew was from the Torah, the law, the written law. They lived the law every single day, every single day. So this was totally different. This was totally anew. This was totally different. Jesus didn't abolish the law, but he what? Fulfilled the law. The law was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Listen, all they ever have known was the law and the prophets. That's all they had ever known. Now there is a change from the Old Testament law to grace through faith. Ephesians 2.8. Paul writes later in the book of Romans. Hmm. Communicating the truth of truth from Judaism to Christianity. Then also in Galatians he talks about the law was good. It served its purpose. But the law only reveals your condition. It cannot fix your condition. It can only reveal your condition. The law. Thou shalt not. It can only reveal your condition. It can never change your condition. Ever, it cannot change your condition. It's like a mirror does its job, right? You look at, How many of you looked in a mirror this morning? You saw exactly what you looked like, didn't you? Good or bad? You saw. But it showed you what you looked like. And then you had to change your condition of what was wrong. Get your hair. So a lot of you combed your hair this morning. Praise the Lord. Y'all look good. 
Some of you did not. And some of you got hair that's been raptured in heaven. So it's waiting on you to get there. <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, not true. It's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible. So it, but anyway, where was I? <laughs> Listen, the law reveals our brokenness. It must drive us to Christ. The law lets us know that we're sinners. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not covet. Where do you think our laws came from in our land? This is where they came from. We know it's wrong to steal. We know it's wrong to kill. Why? Because God established that thousands of years ago in the nation of Israel. And it's part of our republic. This. Students, don't let your teachers tell you any different. Because they are. But it's something we must think about. Believe God. Obey God. Leave all the consequences to Him. Obey His Word. I share with you that Jesus is real. I share with you that His Word is real. I share with you that Jesus rose from the dead. He appeared to more than 500 people. Listen, when a person rises from the dead, I'm going to listen to that dude right there. Think about that. He appeared to 500. He wasn't crazy. A lot of Jews said he didn't rise from the dead. He appeared to 500 people at one time. At one time. That's 500 people. That's, that's like five times more than the people we have in this room. I think 500 people would have got it right. They saw it. They saw him as he ascended into heaven. They were standing there. They seen it. The New Testament is our eyewitness account of it. It must drive us to Christ because we are all guilty of breaking these laws. How? Christ is the fix. He is the only fix. He's why he came. He is always the remedy for all of our sin once for all. He died one time for all time. For all people, if we just trust him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We are justified, made as if we have never sinned, if we would only believe in Jesus and his death and his burial, his resurrection. Listen, he did. He is, his, he is for our justification. He did that from our sin as new creatures in Christ. That's what we are. Our sin is dead. It is buried and cast into the sea of forgetfulness as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. That's what Jesus did. And it's so simple that people cannot believe it. They, it's like, man, that's just too easy. I was talking with Sister Barbara just yesterday, I think it was, talking about that very thing. Jesus made it. Why would God make it hard for you to be saved? He doesn't. Believe that he went on the cross for you and shed his blood and died for you. He did that. He was sinless. He who knew no sin became what? Our sin. He took your sin, my sin, the whole world's sin, past sin, present sin, future sin. Every sin that was ever committed, he took it on his body, writhing in pain, suffering servant, suffering for you, suffering for me, nailed, voluntarily laid his life on the cross. What was happening? He could have called 10,000 legions of angels to come down and rescue him, but he laid down his life for you and for me. He took all of our sin. He wiped it away. 
But you have to believe that he did it for you. Can you believe this morning? Verse 40, so beware that what is said in the prophets does not happen to you. He said, look, you scoffers, marvel and vanish away, because I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will never believe, even if someone were to explain it to you. I'm explaining it, and there will be people that will not believe. You're going to explain it, and there are going to be people that will not believe. It's just going to happen. Here is the application of the appeal. Paul concludes his sermon out of Habakkuk 1 verse 5. Habakkuk complained to God, if you remember, because the Jews have been filthy and sinful, and God was doing nothing to them. But God says he is going to do a work in Habakkuk. He told, tells Habakkuk, I'm going to send the Babylonians to judge and destroy these Jewish disobedient people. And then Habakkuk begins to protest, what? God, what are you going to do? Those people are worse than, than we are. Why are you going to send somebody worse than us to destroy us, to capture us? He didn't understand that. So he complained even more. Habakkuk protests, why, God, are you going to punish the Jews with people who are worse than the Jews? Then God explains to Habakkuk in chapter 2, verse 4, and we need to listen well. This is what God says to Habakkuk, the just shall live by faith. Listen, that statement means that God never has to explain himself ever to any one of us. That's why he's God. God never has to explain when things happen in your life. God does not, that doesn't mean you can't ask him. You can ask him. I do. <laughs> sometimes I don't. Sometimes I may not be in the right attitude when I ask him. Sometimes you haven't been either. I don't know. But, but the just shall live by faith. Trust God. Trust God. He knows. He knows. He knows. God never needs to explain it. We must let God be God. And listen, he will be anyway, whether you let him or not. Right? That could be tough. Let's read on. Verse 42. As they were leaving, the people begged that these matters be presented to them the following Sabbath. After the synagogue had been dismissed, listen to this, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas who were speaking with them and persuading them to continue in the grace of God. The Gentiles are saying this, please, preacher, please, preach it again. Preach it again. I want to, we want to hear it again. I've never heard that. I've never heard it. <laughs> Paul tells them, listen, to continue by trusting in Jesus. Believe by faith that you're saved. The Gentiles are loving this. Paul says, listen. Continue in the grace of the Lord. See the transition? Transition from law to what? To grace. The law came by who? Moses. Grace and truth came by who? Jesus. The word made flesh. Amen. Grace does two things. All right, write these down. Grace reveals, listen, your utter helpless condition. That's what grace does. We're helpless. We're helpless, but we're not hopeless, but we're helpless. You can never get to God 
so something must be done for you. You can never get to God. Something has to be done for you. There's no way in our sinfulness we cannot get to God. There's no way. Something has to be done for you. And Jesus did that something. Number two, grace always shows us, listen, the sheer unlimited favor that God is willing to bestow on you. He loves anybody, and God loves everybody. No matter what. All the time. He never changes. He's immutable. He never changes. God's the same what? Today, yesterday, and forever. His love never His love for you never changes. I don't care how despicable you are, God loves you anyway. He loves you. He shows your helpless condition and God's unlimited love and kindness. That's what God does. That's what grace does. Look at verse 44. The following Sabbath, almost the whole town assembled to hear the message of the Lord. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to oppose what Paul was saying by insulting Paul. The whole city came to hear the next Sabbath on Saturday, came to hear. Listen, how awesome is that? That a few would go back and the whole town would come out. All of Beverly Hills would show up at this church. And you'd be going, what do we do, Pastor Phil? What do we do? Open the doors, throw up the sashes, open the windows, whatever. We do whatever. Danny, he'll be doing a little simulcast over next door. We, I mean, we'll get it on, right? Whatever it takes. People want to hear the word. Listen here. That's awesome. But also, whenever you see God working, and this is what I want you to get this morning, church, because I love you guys so much. Get this. Whenever you see God working, make no mistake about it, the devil is also working every single time. Every time. He will get you down, inside, outside, upside, downside, whatever. He will deal with you, and he will get you. When you're doing a good thing under the power of the Spirit of God, listen, the devil is there to get you down every single time. Every single time. For every action, there is an opposite what? An equal what? Reaction. Y'all learned that in school, didn't you? That's what happens. The devil will counteract every time. We must realize this and be prepared as you follow Jesus. The devil's going to get, try to get to you. Every time you become his enemy. When he has you, you're not his enemy. When you're walking in sinful condition, lost, doing whatever you want to do in the world, being whoever you want to be, being your own God. But actually, Satan is your God. You're not even your own God. Satan is your God. He's got you deceived. And this is so huge. And sometimes we go around and we become our own gods, little G-gods. There's only one God. And it's not me. It's not you. It's who? The big G-God. Yahweh. Jehovah. The great I Am. That's Him. And he's true. The devil will counteract every time. We must realize it. Listen, I'll show you how. Look at Nehemiah. Nehemiah worked for God to rebuild what? The wall in Jerusalem. Remember? They were in exile. King Cyrus had them. Let them go from Persia. Sent them back to rebuild Jerusalem. Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra rebuilt the temple. Nehemiah rebuilt the wall in the city. And so here is Nehemiah. Nehemiah is back. He worked for God to rebuild that wall. Then there was Sanballat and Tobiah working against Nehemiah. 
and what God was trying to do to stop the wall from being built. We, you and I, will get opposition. The Hills Campus will get opposition. We must always test those spirits when we receive opposition. Because they're either from two sources, either from God or they're from the devil. And listen, you can distinguish them with this. The Word of God helps us distinguish whether it's the voice is God's voice or the devil's voice. Every time. That is why, listen, the more we prepare for service, we must be prepared even more for sacrifice. Sacrifice. Think about that. When we are more effective, we will also become a bigger target. The more effective we are, the bigger we grow. And listen, we've grown a lot since I've been here. And we're growing. But we will become a big target. So don't get discouraged when things happen. Be ready. The more you do in the power of Jesus, the more the opposition you will receive. And please, don't be a part of that opposition. Please. Verse 46, then Paul and Barnabas boldly said, it was necessary that God's message be spoken to you first. But since you reject it and consider yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we now turn to the Gentiles. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I made you a light for who? The Gentiles, to bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and glorified the message of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. So the message of the Lord spread through the whole region, but the Jews incited the prominent women who worshiped God and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their district, but look, they shook off the dust from their feet against them and went to Iconium. The Gentiles were glad to hear this, what he said. That's what they said, hey, what he said. Yeah. The Jews incited persecution against Paul and Barnabas. But they shook off the dust from their feet, breaking fellowship. Remember in Luke 9, Jesus said to his disciples, go into the city, and if, you don't and if they don't receive you, to do what? Shake the dust from your feet. Remember. Remember? Listen, the same thing for us. When people don't welcome the message, you're just a delivery boy, that's all, and delivery girl. <laughs> you share that message with them. I can't help it if they receive it or not. You can't. That's not on you. That's on them. You're just doing being obedient to a holy God who loved you and saved your life. And you want to see somebody else's life saved. Right? It's all about breaking fellowship, breaking communion. The gospel is pushed away by the Jews. Paul and Barnabas break fellowship with the Jews. Paul becomes the apostle to the Gentiles. And verse 52 says, And the disciples were filled with what? Joy. And the Holy Spirit saved. Listen, the good news is shared. People were saved. The Holy Spirit continues moving, spreading the power and the message of God, even to this very day and even in this very room. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the message of the cross. We thank you for the proclamation of Paul and Barnabas. Lord, and all the other disciples and all the others that became apostles to send out the Word of God, to be the messengers of the Word of God. Lord, so much so that we have the evidence sitting right before us, all around us, Lord, that you're in our midst. You're in our midst because you're in the heart of every believer in this room. 
And Lord, and in our midst, there may be some of those who have never trusted, never heard this message of the gospel, never heard that Jesus saved, that Jesus loves everybody from beginning, middle to end, that Jesus loves with an everlasting love. Jesus' love never diminished, never changed. You can never do anything wrong or bad enough that Jesus would ever not love you enough. And there may be some here today that's never trusted Jesus as their Savior. So, Lord, this is the time that we have right now to trust Jesus as Savior. And it's my prayer, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that's never trusted you as Savior, Lord, that you would touch their heart right now. And that you would just, Lord, do your perfect work right now. Circumcise their heart. Make it brand new. Let them do a simple thing. Let them believe, Jesus, that you died on that tree just for them. That you shed your blood to wash away every sin stain. Past, present, and any future sin. Lord, you did it 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, you had my sin on your body. 2,000 years ago, and I wasn't even here. Future sin. Lord, touch somebody here this morning that they would trust you as their Savior. And Lord, they can just reach out to you right now just in their mind, in their voice, and just say, Lord Jesus, I need you this morning. Come into my heart this morning, Jesus. Save me from from me. Save me from my sin. I believe, as Brother Phil said, that you've taken all my sin Lord, I believe that you died for me this morning. Come into my heart and save me this very hour. Wash me clean. Lord, I know my life needs to be different. Lord, I know I can't keep going down the road I'm going. And so, Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and save me from myself and my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for touching my life. Thank you, Jesus, for touching my heart right now. Lord, I want to turn around and stop doing what I've been doing and chase after you with all my heart. I trust you this morning with all that I am, with all that I have. I trust you, Jesus, and you alone. By faith, I believe that you died for me. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Now, with nobody looking around, every head bowed and everybody closed, I'm not going to embarrass anybody at all. I just want you to do one thing. Just, lift it, just slip your hand up. If you pray to receive Jesus as your Savior this morning, you don't want to look around. Would you have the courage to raise your hand and say, you know what, Pastor, I prayed with you this morning and received Jesus as my Savior. Go ahead and raise that hand right now. Right now. Raise it. Amen. God sees that hand. So do I. Anybody else? Anybody? Yes. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for touching the heart and the lives of those here this morning. We thank you, Jesus, for salvation. I thank you for my Christian brothers and sisters. I thank you for this time of baptism we're fixing to enter into as we celebrate. And it's my prayer, Lord, that right now, Lord, that you just help us as a church family to be an encouragement to Sister Barbara as she's baptized, making that profession statement in front of all of us. Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Amen. Just give me a second. I'll try to be Superman and change.
Baptism here, baptism does not save you, but listen, what baptism is, listen, it's making Barbara's profession public before all of you, most of you believers who have been through these same kind of waters, right? Amen? Amen. And, it's, and that, so this identifies her with each and every one of you. How cool is that? But it's also an identification that, listen, she's been washed by the blood of Jesus. Amen. The old person is gone. The new person has come, right? And right. so we just thank you. So, Sister Barbara, you know Jesus is your Savior? Yes. Amen. You ready to get baptized? Oh, yes. All right, well, come on up here. Stand right here. Stand right there. Give me your hand. Okay. And we're going to pray. Let's pray for Sister Barbara, our sister, all right? Father, we just thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. We know that by Jesus' name, there's no person under heaven or earth that person can be saved except the name of Jesus. We know that at the name of Jesus, at every need, is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess you as Lord, Lord, Master, King of all. And Lord, I thank you for my sister Barbara who has given her life to you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, I thank you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Bless my sister, Lord, that all the days of her life from this day forward and use her for your greatest glory ever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You ready? Yep. All right. Yeah. It's so awesome there. Yeah. 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 Man, I love that. And listen, maybe some of you out there have not been baptized yet, and you need to be baptized. So I want to encourage you. Come see me after the service here, or and maybe you're uh, maybe you're not saved. You need to be saved. And then you need to follow in believer's baptism. So what a, what a wonderful way to end our Veterans Day service this morning. Then, and listen, another victory is won. In the name of Jesus, let me pray for you. Have a great rest of the day, okay? Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you in the mighty name of Jesus for all that you've done today. 
I thank you for those who have lifted their hands to you, who are signifying that they receive Christ as their Savior today. I pray, Lord, as they leave, that they come up to some one of us, any one of our adults here, Lord, and they would say, hey, listen, I made a profession of faith. Today I, I, got, I gave my life to Jesus. And they would share that with one of us so that we can get it set up so they can be baptized too. And so, God, we just give you thanks. We give you glory and praise for all that you're doing in your house this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church. Now, Lord, let us go out because we are sent. We are sent to share, to share and demonstrate the good news of Jesus Christ to the world that's lost. Father, protect us from the evil one and use us for your glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Love y'all, love y'all, love y'all, love y'all. Have a great rest of the day. Enjoy Veterans Day tomorrow. Where mercy flows.